The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install, all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. Yes, I'm back. I'm sorry. I didn't feel well on Tuesday. Actually, really crummy. So thanks to Rippy and to Colin Brister for filling in for me. And to make up for it, I've got two guests today on Talk of Champions. Marshall Henderson, because guess what? Marshall is back. Marshall Madness has returned to Ole Miss basketball. He is a GA for Kermit Davis. Exciting news. And he's coming up in just a little bit on the Modern Women phone line. So is Travis Branham, 247 Sports Basketball Analyst, because... In the last couple of days, crystal balls have been rolling in for Ole Miss for Brandon Huntley Hatfield, the number six prospect in the country for basketball for the 2022 class. It's a big deal. So I'm going to get into the Ole Miss momentum going on with Brandon Huntley Hatfield with Travis Branham. He's coming up a little bit later. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Rippy and I both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. You feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling better. 
If you heard me, because Rippy did, on Tuesday, you can vouch for me. I didn't sound good. Yeah, I think me and I think I mentioned that to Colin on uh, on Monday show or Tuesday show, whatever it was. Like, yeah, like you, you didn't sound great. No, but I'm back. I'm rejuvenated. Ole Miss football practices roll on midway through the second week. What have we learned so far in the second week of Ole Miss fall camp? Corral, I guess, seems slightly ahead. Seems like he had a better scrimmage, a little bit of separation, and I think as this week unfolds. Don't you think you'll start to realize what that means, whether it's just like a blip and a guy had a better week or if this is kind of more of a uh, – it's weird to call it a long-term trend because they are – like this thing only lasts a month before they play. But like see if this is actually like real or he just kind of had a better week was kind of the main thing I was looking out for this week. Well, that's the whole thing. you got to be able to stack one week on top of another. But here's the thing. For all the people out there – and I've talked about this before on this podcast. For all the people out there – that think, okay, Matt Corral becomes the quarterback, we'll just move John Rice Plumley to slot receiver. Make him a running back. And that's a really, really, really crowded running back room if you put John Rice in there with Jerry Ailey, Snoop Connor, and now Henry Parrish, who's apparently emerging, is going to have a role as a true freshman in the backfield that's already crowded. John Rice Plumley believes himself to be a quarterback. So if he doesn't win out, if Matt Corral continues with this momentum toward becoming the starting quarterback, I don't think it's so simple as John Rice is just going to accept a secondary role somewhere else. Actually, I think he would probably entertain the idea of leaving. Whoever lost the battle, I think, would entertain that. And why wouldn't you in this environment? So that's another layer on top of this quarterback battle. But we're a long, long way away from that. And who knows? Maybe John Rice proves me wrong completely. And uh, if he does lose the battle, which I don't even think it's remotely settled yet, he accepts a position somewhere else, and he goes and balls out. I don't know. But that is certainly going to be the headline throughout this entire camp. We're going to keep talking about the quarterbacks. And if Matt Corral is the starting quarterback September 26th against Florida, did he beat the odds? I mean, if if, if the odds makers are national media, then sure. It sounds it, If it were up to them, it seems like he beat pretty long odds. But I felt this is a pretty even competition that was – Pretty hard to get a feel for, partially because there was really no spring and partially because they were both just so set up for failure last year as we've talked into the ground, that whole talking point, that to me it was hard to get a feel. You knew one possessed a skill set the other didn't have and the other had a little more arm talent and which direction would they go and which could you know, Plumlee kind of become a competent enough passer to just live with it and, uh, you know, Live, live with the passing skill, I guess, and then use that electric foot speed. So I don't know if it's necessarily beating the odds. That sounds really dramatic for a quarterback battle because it's not like this came out of nowhere. This has been a battle since November, whatever the day after the Egg Bowl was. I completely agree. I phrase it like that because that proves to me, like you mentioned, the disconnect between what the national media considers the Ole Miss quarterback battle and what we locally have viewed it as, which is completely even. And we actually all question whether or not if they had gotten in spring football practices, Matt Corral getting ahead of John Rice Plumley because of his baseball duties. So nationally, the whole idea is that John Rice Plumley is the guy. This is all for show. This is just to push him and all this kind of stuff. No, no, no. This is a real quarterback battle. And it was always going to be a real quarterback battle because Lane Kiffin doesn't owe anybody anything. As a first-year head coach, he's coming in completely clear-eye view. That's the whole determination of whether or not this guy is better than that guy. That's it. That's the only thing he's thinking about. He's, of course, going to watch the tape and see what they do well. But as far as making an evaluation about who's going to start, it's about the here and now and who can perform better right now. For what we know, because we're not out there, we don't get to see it, but for what we know, Matt Corral is performing better more consistently. So, yeah, that's the biggest storyline, of course. We learned one other thing that you didn't mention. Ryder Anderson is playing defensive tackle. Thoughts on that? I mean, he's what, 6'2", 75? Yeah. That's interesting because you think he's just a really big defensive end. Like what? Because your your college, in your mind, your college cookie-cutter edge pass rusher is going to go 6'4", 250-ish, that fair? Somewhere in that range? yeah, yeah. I guess it's like, I just don't think of like that body, I guess is kind of a tweener body between the two, right? Because you don't necessarily always see defensive tackles uh, that tall at that weight. And Ryder Anderson, if you watch, if you watch him and you look at him up, like up close, like 
he looks more of like a basketball player, does he not? So maybe they're onto something there. I don't know. I'd be fascinated to kind of see what that looks like in some sort of game or scrimmage action. But uh, had not a ton of time to, to react to that one. That's an interesting concept to think about. Think about this. Like, so that's technically, and I know Benito Jones played pretty much nose tackle, but look at those two bodies playing the similar position. Oh, I know. And think of the career trajectory. Well, think of the career trajectory for Ryder Anderson. When he came into Ole Miss, he was thin as a rail. He was viewed completely as a project at defensive end. He wasn't a highly recruited guy, highly ranked guy, complete project. In his first couple of years, he played, but he was always a reserve. But now, in this defensive line, with so much gone, he's being treated as a known quantity when he really isn't. Last year, he started four games and then got hurt, suffered the knee injury, and went down. He was out for the year. And yet, he's being viewed as a known quantity. So I think it's fascinating to remember the project that he was to now he's gained all this weight. He's 275. He says he's stronger than he's ever been. Of course he is. Of course he's going to say that too. But now playing defensive tackle, it might be a masterstroke. I never would have envisioned that as far as position moves. I would have never really considered that, which goes to show, of course, that they have forgotten more football, have these coaches, than I'll ever know. But it could be a masterstroke. I like the idea of athleticism across the board on your defensive line. Or just in every position group. They want all these guys to know all these positions, have position versatility, and basically we would put our best athletes on the field, go out there, and they're going to out-athlete you. So if Ryder Anderson brings a little bit more athleticism, not that stiffness that you're used to seeing a defensive tackle, then more power to him. It's kind of a brilliant move. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's at least interesting. You brought up a funny point. One, I, you brought up a great point when you said that he's being treated as a known quantity, even though he isn't. He's treated as a known quantity just because you you peruse down the roster and you look at the defensive line section, and he's the only one where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing him on the field is basically why. And then the second part, I do love the, uh, the, the stronger than everything. Would you love some guy just to show up to the first day of camp one year and just be like, I'm fatter than hell. I've been drinking too much and ripping too many heaters, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I would love to get that guy one time, just to be straight up Could honest. Kadir Shepard would have been the leader in the clubhouse. Just be like, no, I'm not in great shape, but uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, yeah we'll so, get there. The, but, we'll get to playing shape. But, of course, all I've been doing is sitting on my ass and eating food. I mean, what else am I supposed to be doing in quarantine? <laughs> but, um, anyway, do you think this is a uh, – do you think this is a Ryder Anderson thing or a necessity thing in the sense that they're doing this 4-3 multiple thing and then they think if they move Ryder Anderson to the interior, it will open up an opportunity for X guy and who is that guy? Because I brought up the point the other day, and I don't have the roster in front of me right this second, but and I know there's another guy on there and they're moving guys position-wise a little bit, but the only other technical listed defensive end on the roster, I believe, is a fellow named Clayton Ladd. Well, here's the deal. In a 4-3 multiple, you need, in every 4-3, an edge setter, that big defensive end, and that's T. Tisdale. Ryder Anderson, in a 4-3 multiple, as the other defensive end, will oftentimes be standing up. But at 6'6", 275, doesn't really work. But you put him down there, 2-3 tech, out-athleticize those guards that he's going to be going up against, beat him to a gap, that could work, especially when you put him beside a KD Hill who's completely different. He's a big nose guard plugger. But Ryder Anderson there, he gives you a different look, a different body, and then that opens up, ideally, Sam Williams. But Sam Williams, he's suspended indefinitely. I don't know if you can ever think that he's coming back. So Brandon Mack, Demon Clowney. And Brandon Mack has been the number one name that we've heard over and over and over as far as the most impressive guys in fall camp. And if Brandon Matt can step up and actually live up to that preseason hype, how huge of a lift that would be for Ole Miss. Because Sam Williams was their best defender. Lakia Henry, yes, he could make a case. But Sam Williams was their most valuable defender. And it seems like every single year, Ole Miss loses the one guy you think they just absolutely cannot lose that guy. And that was Sam Williams. So I just think that in a multiple 4-3, knowing that you need the big, heavy-set defensive end to set the edge, that's T. Tisdale, 
and an athletic other defensive end because you're going to stand him up when it turns into a multiple, like a 3-4. Ryder Anderson can be a defensive end. He can be a defensive tackle. But more often than not, you do not want him standing up because at 6'6", 275, they can get underneath you pretty quickly. So that's kind of where the thinking comes from when you move a guy like that inside. Because here's the thing. If you solve that, if you solve the defensive line and make them competent, just serviceable, these linebackers are good enough to win you games. Now, of course, you've got to assume pretty good or complete health for Momo Sonogo. But Jacquez Jones, Momo Sonogo, and Lakia Henry is a really salty starting group as long as they're playing to their full potential. And they can cover up a lot of different things for you. So if you can figure that out, you're answering a lot of questions for your defense. Now, the back end, there are a lot of problems because they've got COVID issues, they've got injury issues, a bunch of stuff in the secondary. But they've got bodies back there. Once those guys come back, they'll be fine. But the defensive line, if Ryder Anderson at defensive tackle is part of the answer, more power to them because that's the biggest question mark. And the closer you can get to actually answering that question leading up to Florida on September 26th, the better off Ole Miss will be as far as competing immediately. Can Tariq Tisdale play that position and do that? I'm not questioning anything. I'm just throwing it out there because he's 6'5", 295. And until this year, I always thought of him as definitely as an interior lineman. And so do you think he can do that? Because I just started going down the thing earlier today or earlier this week, I should say, and just started kind of being like, who could be the opposite edge guy? What about Luke Knox? He kind of fits that mold. And he, after a quad injury, I think, or hamstring or something early in camp last year, kind of got in the mix and became a decent player for them in some capacity, granted it being a 3-4. But I just wonder, like, if you had to bank on it, who are the two edge guys? I don't know what Luke Knox is right now. And we're not hearing anything about Luke Knox either. That's one one name. When you brought up Luke Knox just then, the first thing I thought was, oh, yeah, Luke Knox. Where has he been? We're not hearing anything about Luke Knox. This happened at this stage last year in quote-unquote camp, too. Like, I don't know if he's healthy or not. You would obviously know better there being a little bit closer to things. But, like, he was a guy that was a serviceable player for them. And much like his brother, he is a great-looking athlete. So, like, I just wonder who ends up being the two edge guys, like, in game five or four of this thing. Like, who who ends up being? It sounds like they're hoping Brandon Mack and Tariq Tisdale, but wouldn't you call both of those gambles in terms of what they're asking to do and what their skill set is? But everything is a gamble for that defensive line right now. Yeah, that's fair. There are no known commodities. Well, T. Tisdale is as close to a known commodity as there is. He was productive last year. And I like him out there as a big defensive end because a 3-4 defensive coordinator in the NFL will draft that kid as a 3-4 defensive end in the top four rounds, no question, if he performs. He's 295, but he doesn't look like some big lumbering 295. That kid's an athletic freak. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. 
Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. But those are the biggest storylines. Anything else? Well, Eli Johnson has entered the transfer portal. Thoughts on that? Best wishes to him, whatever he decides to do. Um, you know, we talked about it when he announced that his intention to transfer. It was just interesting to me because uh, his frame of mind when I talked to him for that story on David and all that was like he was very eager to play despite what happened. And, you know, you never know. Things change. The virus certainly got worse from the time we talked about it. And, you know, whatever he's feeling, whatever he's doing, best wishes to him. But I do find that interesting. Yeah, my whole deal is it's a unique situation from my vantage point because David, who I work with at the Ole Miss Spirit U2, is Eli's dad. So I don't want to give away anything that is not my business to give away here. But I will say this. Eli Johnson's a good kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's 22 years old. He's a grown man. He's a good dude. and Incredible beard, by the way. Oh, yeah. So let's not trash the guy on the way out, Ole Miss fans. And understand this, and this is not a knock on Eli, but Ben Brown, I learned earlier this week, was moved to center well before Eli decided to opt out. So I think Ben Brown was always viewed as the starting center. Because I think that this staff looked at Caleb Warren, Carter Colquitt, Jeremy James as having more upside than uh, Eli Johnson potentially. Eli is what he is. And he was a productive player. Was he a standout player? No. And that's not, again, a knock on him, but he was a solid player. But this staff is all about upside. Kind of going back to Ryder Anderson playing defensive tackle. The upside of it all. And I think they looked at those candidates. And Jalen Cunningham as well. Can't leave him out because he's certainly in that conversation at guard. But Ben Brown and your tackles, Royce Newman... And then Nick Broker, the conversation becomes, okay, who's going to be our starting guards? And that, at least in college, is the easiest position to break in new offensive linemen, guards. Especially in this environment when you're going up tempo and fast. Left tackle, it's hard as hell. Right tackle, not as tough as left tackle, but it's tough. And center is the most valuable position. So they took Ben Brown, who they obviously viewed as their most impactful offensive lineman, and put him in their opinion, at the most impactful position on the offensive line in that center. So, not to knock Eli, but it looked like Ben Brown was their chosen center. So whatever Eli ends up doing, best of luck to him. And that family, because they're good people, they've been through a lot, and Eli put in his time at Ole Miss. And if he wants to make the decision that's best for him after he's already graduated, good for him. Let's not trash a dude on the way out. One other bit of news, Jerry on Ely, you wanted to bring this up. Jerry on Ely and his role in this offense. Yeah, I just, I, we talked about it a little bit on Monday as well when we were just going through kind of the things Kiffin said from the scrimmage. And you could have put Kiffin, Matt Luke, Lebby, Rich Rodriguez, whoever it is in front of a microphone, but doesn't it feel like every time they have a scrimmage, someone says, Yeah, and Ely broke a long one? Just kind of, that's like, what he does. It's just, he, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, Right, like home run hitter in football in particular is such just like a cliche term when it comes to running back. And if there's ever someone that fits that mold to a T, it's Jerry on Ely. And I hope they get to play this year in like and finish the season just from the sense of watching his carries load increase. Because you best believe he's probably going to get a hell of a lot more than 106 touches that he got last year. Average 6.9 yards a rush last year. It's just... You know, with all the dysfunction and the way the year ended last year, you you do forget the whole selling point of the staff last year was we have this nice young core on offense, and he's pretty much the head of it outside of the way Plumlee played. I'm just fa- – that's a long-winded way of saying I'm fascinated and eager to watch him play and kind of take a jump this year because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And here's the thing with Jerrion. Yes, the previous staff, they recognized that Jerrion Ely and Snoop Connor together was more productive than just – forcing Scotty Phillips into an offense that he didn't necessarily fit in anymore. And Scotty Who Phillips, was banged up with yeah. a lot of miles on the tires at that point. Too. Yeah, and Scotty was an awesome running back. Absolutely awesome. And if not for COVID, I think he would go into a camp and make a roster, if at worst, a practice roster, 
and then maybe get onto a regular season roster once injuries happen and be productive if he got into a game. I think he's an NFL running back. But for that offense, Jerrion Ely and Snoop Connor was a better fit, that combo, that duo. But even recognizing that they made that switch and they committed to it, even knowing that, they still didn't utilize Jerrion Ely enough. We always complained, and we still complain to this day, about how they were completely terrified, apparently, or didn't trust at all, the passing ability of John Rice Plumley. Okay, that's fine. But he was your starting quarterback. You knew you couldn't run the ball every single down. So knowing that, why would you not take a guy who proved to be not only capable, but dynamic in the open field when you got him to the ball, regardless if it's a handoff or a pass, get him involved in the passing game. Jerry Ely should have been everywhere. Everywhere. He should have been in the slot. He should have been coming out of the backfield. They should at least be getting him four to six catches a game. Last year, at least. Because Elijah Moore, he was the one that was getting all the catches. They completely ignored the outside guys. Jonathan Mingo is apparently having a monster camp. Shocker. The dude is built just like A.J. Brown. Now, he's not A.J. Brown. But he's built that way. And he was billed and was expected to be an instant impact guy in the form of Dante and Shea and Laquan and AJ. But he didn't get an opportunity. So if you're going to ignore him, the guy you're actually getting the ball to, get him the ball as many times as possible. And that kid proved that when you got him involved in the passing game, he was an absolute monster. So if you're Lane Kiffin and Jerry O'Neill talking about my favorite player growing up was Reggie Bush... Well, you're going to be lighting up because guess who was with Reggie Bush growing up when you were growing up? That was Lane Kiffin, and now he's your head coach. And you saw what Reggie did. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. Not to say Jerrion's going to be, but his utilization was, we're going to get this guy the ball as many times as possible. We can talk about the quarterbacks all we want, but this offense is going to be built around Jerrion Ely. Yeah, agree. And not to be a complete smartass, but I think technically he was their second leading pass catcher last year. No, really? I didn't know that. Uh, no, no, it's it's he was it was more with fifty something Ely with like fourteen and then Drummond with eleven. He was their second oh, okay. leading receiver with like fifteen catches. So it doesn't really count. No, it doesn't really count at all. I was just kind of being an ass, but yes, I could totally concur with your point. Get him going out of the backfield to let him cook. Just get the kid the ball as often as possible. That's all that matters. Is there anything that gives you more optimism or pessimism? about this team two weeks in? Uh, optimism. Didn't they say the offense was a little bit ahead of the defense? That was kind of the consensus from last week. Yeah. Well, outside of, you know, the defensive line, you assume the defense will probably be okay for the most part. So wouldn't that be more room for, wouldn't that leave room for optimism that the offense has kind of jumped ahead? Because if you made me bet on what it would have been, quote unquote, behind in the early stages of camp or practice or whatever they're calling this, I would have bet the offense. So I would say a lot slightly more optimistic. You hit on Mingo a little bit. He's the guy that he was kind of the guy you wanted to hear all offseason about how he had gotten stronger and he looked better and best shape of his life and all those cliches. And you kind of started to hear that despite them not having a spring. And all the, at least everyone around them and everyone involved in the program that's talking about Jonathan Domingo is kind of saying the right things for that storyline to actually become real because they're going to need it. Okay, last thing, then we're going to jump to Marshall because we got like a lot of basketball to cover here. And I know it's football time and we're going all football right now, but there's a lot of basketball news. You mentioned Luke Knox. Anybody else like that that we haven't heard enough from yet? Hmm. I mean, what is Braylon Sanders to this team? Because that was a dude in 2017 or 18, I guess it was, that had with some still really talented dudes on the roster, cracked the rotation, and they really needed him to be kind of a consistent deep threat last year, and he just couldn't get healthy. So you haven't really heard much about him. I don't know if that's a no-news-is-good-news thing, but aren't you kind of counting on him? He's definitely the oldest dude in the room. Yeah, that's a good one, because Demarcus Gregory's apparently doing really well and turning heads in camp. Here's one for you. Where's Jonathan Haynes? That's a big piece. That is piece. a good one. I haven't heard a lot about John Haynes. Is he hurt? Is he one of the COVID guys? We're not going to get that information from Lane, but maybe if we dig around enough, we'll find out something. John Haynes is my guy. Where is John Haynes? Braylon Sanders, that's a great one too. But Luke Knox, man, that tops the list.
Because if you're looking for potential pass rushers, he should be one of them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, just from the way he's cut to kind of the him getting into the mix last year, he he could help them. And it might. It just might be a coincidence or just kind of happenstance that we haven't heard from them. But, yeah. That's it for Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks, buddy. See you, dude. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. You can follow Rippey on Twitter at BS Rippey. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Marshall Henderson, now a graduate assistant for Ole Miss basketball. Marshall Madness is back. But before we hear from Marshall, let's first hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Henderson for three. Got it! Henderson, double clutch three. Wow, look at that. Marshall Henderson tries a three. Got a three! Hello. Oh my goodness. What a play. Steve Faldrum. Good Henderson! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Women phone line. All-time Ole Miss basketball great, but now hired as a graduate assistant on Kermit Davis's staff. It's Marshall Henderson. What's up, man? Hey, Ben. How you doing? Just, just, just got out of practice. How was it, man? First day back? Did you show him? Did you have to, like, rain threes on him in practice? <laughs> no, no. Not yet. Not yet. But, uh... I mean, it's, just, it's like any first practice. Energy was great, little little rust, um, but no, the, the energy is great. The guys are the guys are working hard, so that's always good. When you know, it's, the problem is if you got to coach a guy's energy, that's that's a problem. There was none of that today, you know. So good energy. I mean, that's pretty much what you look for at the beginning is, is guys getting in there and working hard. So how did it come about, man? How did you get back to Ole Miss so quick? Well, you know, I just had kind of uh, – me and Coach Davis had been, had been talking a little bit, kind of, you know, introduction and then kind of throughout um, last year and stuff, just different things. And uh, Coach Ronnie Hamilton, I ran into him at a basketball game um, the, at, a little, at Tallahassee Community College. You know, I guess we were both down there recruiting. And so, um, you know, obviously Ole Miss is my school, so I always try and stay, in, you know, in touch as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I, I, tried, I applied for some, uh, some jobs this year. Uh, obviously, I was coaching at Thomas University this last year in AIA. And um, I, was trying to, I was trying to raise the bar, trying to get, trying to get a better job, you know, um, more, more so with a place that dealt with full scholarships. Um, and so it just really didn't uh, kind of happen for me. And one thing that I was really realizing and that I needed was a master's. I was noticing guys were getting jobs. You know, and they all had masters and something, and so you know, I was like, "Well, let me see if maybe Ole Miss, you know, has a, has a spot open um, for me to come on there." You know, and obviously with the coronavirus stuff right now, there's not a lot going on, um, and so I felt that this was a really good time for me to get back and, and really work on this degree. And uh, coach was on board with it. We had a lot of good talks. Um, 
you know, uh, my teammate Nick Williams from 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 our, our championship team, he he was here when Coach first got here, and so I spoke with Nick about you know about you know kind of like the culture and expectations and stuff like that, and I felt pretty comfortable with it. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm here now. Um, I'm I'm getting my master's in in hospitality management. I got a really good friend back home who's um, about to open up a restaurant. I've always kind of wanted to be. I wanted, I always wanted to know more about that industry, you know, and so um, it just seemed like a really good program for me to go into to get educated on that because I'm open, you know, one day down the road maybe I, I want to have a restaurant. I'd love to have a place in Oxford. Um, that's obviously not anywhere close to now, <laughs> but uh, I felt it was pretty cool for me to 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 go ahead and, and go into that department. Um, it's a newer department, um, and so you know it's. It's 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 uh, I'm definitely excited for that part. Um, to really, I have a bad taste in my mouth with my academics. Um, not that I, I mean nothing too bad. I, you know, I got my degree. I got accepted into grad school, but I just you know if I want to focus more on it now, um, and just kind of you know really 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 get that degree that 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 masters and 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 be be happy with myself. Um, you know, fully content with that. Well, it's the next step in the maturation, man. You and I have been talking about this for a long time. You've been a regular guest on this podcast, and that was from going mm-hmm. overseas and playing in Iraq, playing all over overseas, then coming back home, playing in the G League. Then you get into coaching, and you're coaching mm-hmm. at a level where there are far bigger challenges, more difficult challenges than the SEC level. So this is like the next step for you, it seems like. Absolutely. Um, I, the, the, I mean, the goal is for me is to get a really good job coaching. Um, I want to be at the D, Division One level. Um, I think I, I, I think I'll be an effective recruiter. Um, obviously, the, 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 the on the court stuff is pretty, pretty easy. Um, you know, I've, I've played, I've played at a high level. I've played for really good coaches. So working with players, um, that, that comes pretty naturally. Uh, my dad was a coach, you know, and so, um, and now. Just trying to, you know, I'm really looking to help guys on the mental part of things, um, on and off the court. Um, you know, just things, things. Uh, you know, th- this year's team, for example, they got we got a lot of lot of upperclassmen, a lot of seniors. Um, I think like three or four grad transfers in, and you know, those guys are going to be looking to go pro. And you know, I just finished with that, and now that I'm on the the other side of coaching, I'll be able to help those guys mentally um, prepare for 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 what I just went through, everything that, you know, and be able to help those guys. Um, Cause then, you know, the, the, that's the main goal for these guys. Obviously they want to win here, but they certainly want to make money playing professionally. Um, you know, and so it starts right here. I can start helping prep those guys. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think, I think they'll listen. Um, it's, I know from, you know, obviously experience, it's, it's, it's easier to kind of relate to a guy who just got through it or is going through it as compared to maybe, you know, you got a you got a fifty year old coach trying to tell you something like that, and so uh, you know I'm just I'm just here I'm just here to help these guys out, you know, any way I can help them get better and help them prepare for the future. You brought it up. I mean, Ansu Cisse he went through this role. Um, Nick Williams, our buddy, mm-hmm. he went through this role, and Nick really used it as an opportunity to be like a big brother to a lot of these guys and take specific guys one on one and develop them in that way. If they wanted to do extra work after practice and they wanted to do voluntary stuff. That's stuff that the coaches can't be really involved in. They get their mandatory hours that they can work with the players, but that's where really a graduate assistant can step in and make his mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I mean that's and it's you know Nick took full advantage. I know for a fact. You know, uh, being able to, uh, coach, I mean, Coach Davis is he's a great guy in the in, in the in the co- in the coaching world. Um, and you know, everyone said if you can work for him, you can work for anybody, and you know he can do. Um, he can really help help me out, help anyone out, um, you know, that he, that works with him. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a chance for me to prove myself, like, on the court, you know, getting with guys. And, um, you know, for me, when I was when I was here at Ole Miss, my, my GA, Jimmy, guy Jimmy Hart, um, a good, good friend, um, I, you know, he was in the gym with me to the tune of 250 uh, makes a day, you know. And so – um, to be able to really use that's what the what the GA is there for, you know, to, to, to really get in there and help in the extra stuff. And, you know, Jimmy Jimmy just kinda of rebounded for me. He wasn't 
coaching. You know, he didn't play. He's not coaching. Um, and so what I think hopefully these guys will understand that, yeah, I'll be here. If you just want me to sit there and rebound and shut up, that's okay. But I can also help <laughs> these guys. Um, I've been, you know, I've been, I know sometimes you just want a guy to rebound for you. <laughs> and uh, that's not bad. If you're just, if a guy's in there just, just shooting some shots, hey, that's better than doing nothing. Um, but, you know, I've watched, I've been watching a lot of film on these guys, so I'm trying to get as comfortable with their game as much as I can. And, you know, and just, be, just be, be around and be able to help them, you know. Sometimes they don't want to hear a guy coaching them every time they're in the gym extra. You know, sometimes they need to hear what, what they might want to work on. And so, you know, just kind of find, find a niche, find the, find the comfortability with the players, and then just kind of go from there. Well, you're on the wall, man. I mean, you're all over that practice facility. I mean, you're in the <laughs> pavilion. I mean, you're Marshall. And for them, did they know when you walked in who you were? Yeah, definitely. There was, there was a few of them. Um, you know, Schuler came in right after me. Um, and so, and then uh, obviously Jarkel Joyner, he's from Oxford, and he was laughing. He was like, man, I watched you play when I was <laughs> like a kid, <laughs> when I was younger. And then, uh, um, you know, we got a, we got a new freshman. And he, his brother went here, and he's from Memphis. And, you know, he was like, he was like, yeah, I watched you because my brother was here. So, uh, you know, that's cool. I don't, I don't expect some of the, the, the grad transfers to probably know, and that's okay. But uh, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely nice to not have to try and overcome them thinking, oh, he's just a grad assistant, you know. And so uh, that, that, that helps a lot. I mean, that helped last year with coaching, just kind of having players – players kind of respect guys that played and were successful and um so that that really helps in that regard yeah and the interesting thing too is you can come from a place of you've been in those situations that many of them will face be it going overseas or trying to make mm -hmm. it onto an nba roster and that kind of experience i think for guys uh, that are on the roster now that's invaluable absolutely i mean and it goes even further to like getting out and i mean i know obviously this is this is a weird time but like really taking advantage of all this, like interacting with people, um, you know, in, in the community, because the, the, the people, the, 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 the Ole Miss family is just like, it is that like a family, like everyone, like everyone that goes to Ole Miss, it's like, Oh, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my grandparents, my kids, you know, all went to Ole Miss and, and, you know, you sit there and you, you talk with alum and they love telling you a story about, you know, the 1978 game against LSU or something like that. And so, you know, I hope some of these guys can really take advantage of the community uh, that is all Miss and the family. And so that way you can, you know, like, like for me, for example, I'm able to come back. Nick Williams is able to come back, um, you know, and be, and be welcomed with open arms, um, even like in the staff change and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, just really trying to help these guys, you know, in, in every way I can. Yeah, but they got to know that if you need to drop a three on them, you can. So when is the time that it comes where in practice you get a ball in your hand and, I don't know, Matthew Morrell steps up, you got to pour it on his head, man. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take a wild guess at it, and I'm going to say that's whenever, you know, we start playing other teams and you uh, go through scout team. Oh, my um, God, you're going to be the I'm best pretty... scout team guy to have, man. Oh, uh, well, yeah, they, I think, you know, I, Nick Williams really enjoyed that role. So uh, I'm really going to enjoy that role. <laughs> and um, so that's what I'm glad about that, too, is that's something to kind of keep me um, inspired to continue working out kind of right now. Um, just trying, you know, I mean, back <laughs> home, I was, we, we've been, uh, we've been like hooping and stuff. And like, I've been running every day. So like, I'm in pretty good shape. And it's good inspiration to keep in shape knowing that, at some point, I'm going to get back out there on the court, and I'm going to have to be, you know, imitating the other team's best player, probably. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to that. Um, you know, and, and it kind of helps, too, with as the, as, as the staff trying to mold me into a, into a good coach, um, besides just being the player, also being involved in the scouting, um, understanding what the other teams are going to do, uh, you know, being in there in the film sessions and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to when that time comes. Obviously, um, the season is not going to get really kicked off until about like September, whenever official practice and all that. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. 
Well, now that you're back, this is what you've been working for, just an opportunity to come back to Ole Miss and contribute either as a coach or in any way that you can give back to the program. When you left Ole Miss mm-hmm. to what to what it is now, how has it changed? Well, my goodness, I drove through campus, and I, I, I couldn't get out of campus. <laughs> I, got, I, I mean, the roads – the roads I remember, like drive, they drive into buildings yeah. now, and I'm yeah. sitting here. I couldn't get out. I couldn't. I could not find out. Like I, I, I don't know. I was trying to make it onto. I guess it's Jackson on the other side, and I could not find my way out. And I'm sitting here like, what on earth? And then you know, Oxford has. I mean, it's. I love what they've done with Oxford with all the the new buildings they've built. Like the the I guess like the architecture, the the style of how nice the buildings are is, I mean, it's amazing. Um, you know, it's a little crowded, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, what's funny for me is thinking that in games, you always catch after a big shot, the end of the bench, people exploding. And a lot of that has to do with GAs. Like Nick would be all up in the camera because he'd be fired up from a big shot and he'd be jumping <laughs> in the frame and stuff. Now, knowing you and seeing how you played and everybody remembers the big moments like Gator chomping against Florida. They remember, uh, jersey popping against Auburn, man. When those big moments happen, Marshall, you're gonna have to live up to some pretty high expectations, bro. <laughs> well, I don't think I'll be running up and down the, the sideline land shocking. <laughs> but uh, you know, obviously the game is the game is about passing. Um, you know, last year, and I, was, I mean, I, I I'm gonna get into the game, um, regardless of playing or coaching. And so, you know, some it's all. I mean, it it, it kind of goes along with. With, with the fans in the crowd. I mean, I don't know how many fans we'll have in the crowd this year. So, so being able to generate, you know, some extra, some added energy, um, you know, that, that can be useful. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, I mean, I, I obviously I, I'm, I, I, I'm big, I'm a basketball guy and I'm a passionate dude. And so, you know, I might, I might stand up and cheer and stuff, but uh, you know, as far as, the, the the old college antics, I think those are probably left left in the past. <laughs> well, last one before I let you go. Uh, first impression of the roster, because it was really made over in the spring with the transfers that Kermit brought in, be it Romello White, Robert Allen, Domencio Vaughn. Mm-hmm. The roster, what do you think about it now that you've gotten a first look at it? Well, there are definitely some big dudes. Um, I mean, like across the board. Uh, they don't really – you know, there's not like a, you know, my teammate Derek Millinghouse, you know, a real short, fast guy. They don't really have a short, not, there's not much, uh, you know, there's not lacking in height. <laughs> Definitely. I um, mean, big, strong guys, um, you know, and that's obviously you, you go and look at coaches' teams at, at Middle Tennessee, and you can see the type of guys that he gets big, strong, physical, mean guys. And uh, that's what it looks like we got, we got here. Um, Obviously, it's gonna hopefully with with a, with a bunch of the grad transfers and stuff. Where it will, the biggest issue will be the meshing, the gelling, the chemistry. You know, I mean, you see it with these NBA super teams. It takes them a while to gel, and you know, chemistry is obviously the most important thing about basketball. And so, you know, if if, if they can, if we can get together and, and gel and mesh pretty well, then you know, I, anything can happen. Um, so. Uh, definitely look forward to the team. I mean, they're, they're like I said, they're working hard. Um, they, they're anxious to learn. They're in the gym doing extra stuff. So, you know, it, it, as long as as long as that chemistry's there, then I think we'll be fine. Selfishly, I'm happy to have you back. I know Ole Miss fans from the online reaction, they're thrilled to have you back. And just everyone in Oxford, welcome mm-hmm. back home, man. I know you're excited to be back. Oh, yes. Thank you and hotty toddy, baby. That was Marshall Henderson, all-time Ole Miss basketball great, now a GA for Kermit Davis on his basketball staff. Marshall's back. It's an exciting time. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Brian Scott Rippey is no longer with me, but you can follow him on Twitter at BS Rippey. We're going to go back to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Travis Branham. He's a basketball analyst for 247 Sports and the first of two crystal balls to come in for Ole Miss for five-star Brandon Huntley Hatfield the number six basketball prospect in the country for 2022. He could reclassify to 2021, and Ole Miss has got momentum. But before we jump to Travis, let's hear from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity 
to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hit an add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line. Travis Branham, 247 Sports Basketball Analyst. Because we got to talk about something. Something that's happened recently. Brandon Huntley Hatfield. A couple of crystal balls have rolled in for Ole Miss. And you might not know who this is. He's the number six prospect in the country for basketball for the 2022 class. So it's a big deal. And Travis was the first one to put in a crystal ball prediction for Ole Miss. Before we get into it, Travis, what's up, man? How you doing? Nothing much, man. I appreciate you having having me on the show. Well, thanks for coming on. You made some waves, I'm going to tell you. Some Ole Miss fans, they're fired up. They see a crystal ball put in for the number six prospect, basketball prospect for the 2022 class. That's a big deal. We'll get into that prediction in a second. I want to talk first and foremost about the player. And for Ole Miss fans that might be tuning into this, and maybe they're not the most fervent basketball fans, or they don't pay attention to recruiting like you and I do, tell them about the player himself. Well, Brandon, I mean, he's a, one of the more talented prospects in high school basketball right now. I mean, when you look at his physical tools initially, I mean, he's one of the more impressive physical specimens in all of high school basketball. He's standing six foot eight, over 210 pounds. Um, he's got, so he's got great size. He's long. He's a tremendous athlete. Um, and, then, and then when you break it down into a skill set, he, he can impact the game in a wide variety of ways. He, His jump shot is a little streaky, but he can still make shots out the three. He's got impressive vision and passing ability. He can really face up and attack. I mean, this is a prospect that is, um, for the large part of his career, he's still scratching the surface of how good he could be. And there's some areas that he does need to improve on, especially when it comes to his motor and competitiveness. Um, But when um, it comes down to his full body of talent, he, he really could be as good as he wants to be. Um, it's just going to be a matter of staying locked in and being committed and buying into into what coaches want him to be and, and what he needs to do to be an efficient and productive player moving on up the ranks. When you look at the offer sheet, it's what you would expect from the number six player in the country first class. I mean, it's 
Ole Miss, Memphis, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, Auburn, Baylor, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Kansas, Texas A&M, Kentucky. Now, Kentucky, I've heard, and you can tell me, you're the expert here, was his dream school or is his dream school, but what has made Ole Miss in your mind make a move for him? Yeah, um, Ole Miss was one of the first schools to start recruiting him. Um, and as I was kind of touching on earlier, he, he's had some ups and downs throughout his high school basketball career. Um, and that's kind of um, weighed in on some of the other recruitments out there. And so, but Ole Miss never wavered. They stayed fully committed to him. Um, and that has made a, a, a real impact on him as, as, a, as a player and his relationship with the Ole Miss staff. Like that, that really means a lot to him. Um, and so they've just built a great relationship over the years since they've been recruiting him as a freshman. And he told me um, they were the second to offer him behind Auburn. Um, so they've been through this the whole, whole every step of the way. Um, so just that relationship and then not only that, but the play style, being able to come in and just have the keys handed over to him really means something to him. It needs to be noted that he's originally from Tennessee and then he went to IMG okay. Now he's moved on to Pennsylvania. But this is a staff that before Ole Miss was in Tennessee recruiting almost exclusively outside of some other territories like Georgia. But Tennessee, that was the recruiting hotbed for them at Middle Tennessee State. So now at Ole Miss, that's continued, especially under Ronnie Ronnie Hamilton. And um, that's kind of where this relationship started. So I could see it from that vantage point. But also, I think it's intriguing, and I think – Ole Miss is one of the maybe only places that really offers this form potentially, and you can correct me here, is he could reclassify to 2021. And if that happens, yes, the options could become more, but also those schools that you're in on, they might not have a spot for 2021 that they would have for 2022. But Ole Miss, he's there for them no matter what. Yes, that is correct. There, there's, there is a possibility of him reclassifying. Um, whether that is likely to happen or not, that is to be determined. Um, but definitely, like, Ole Miss has gone all in on him. Um, and, and that's another thing he was telling me when, when I spoke to him about a month ago was um, Ole Miss is, is solely going after him. There's nobody that they're trying to recruit um, in his position just in case he, he goes elsewhere. Like, they are fully committed to him. Um, and, and that really has meant a lot to him. So, um, yeah, that's definitely going to be a huge thing if, if, if he does reclassify and there's going to be a lot of programs that will not have a spot open, but he he will have that option in either class when it comes to the Ole Miss. Okay, so here we go. There was no movement as far as crystal balls for Brandon since October of 2019. Then, on August 25th, here comes Travis, crystal ball. Now, the confidence was at a six. I'll give it to you there. Chris Fisher of Cat Paws, <laughs> he follows up. He puts in one for Ole Miss, confidence of six. But you're 37 for 38 all-time, man, in your predictions. You don't put in just any prediction here. Why now? Um, honestly, it was just feeling ambitious with him. Um, knowing he, he – just how much uh, – just from what I've been hearing, um, I know Ole Miss is really involved there. And I know – that they have um, really made an impact on him. They've built a really good relationship. And when it comes to everything that he's looking for in a program, and he's been on campus, and and especially in a time right now where kids are not able to be on campus and they don't know when they're going to be able to take their visits, Mm. there's a correlation when it comes to kids committing to places that they have already been on campus. Um, So that plays a factor into it. And then obviously, like I said, the relationship being on campus the play style, being able to just come in and be handed and just hand, have the program hand, hand him the keys. Um, those all things just fit what he's looking for. Um, and then just hearing in the back end that they, that Ole Miss really is involved and they are one of the leaders. It's a really interesting point, and it can't be lost in this entire discussion about any prospect. But we're living right now in unprecedented times, not just for the nation as a whole, but for basketball and football recruiting, these kids don't get to go to campuses. So you're right. If you've been to a campus already, knowing that you can't go right now and we don't know when they're going to be able to go back, that plays a big, big role, especially for a kid that might be reclassified for 2021. That's a huge feather in the cap for Ole Miss. 
it's, it's a huge it's a huge factor um and like i said you're seeing it all over the country right now with, with these kids like kenny chandler is a great example right now he with coronavirus like that I don't, they were not expecting to make a decision until the fall at the earliest um but as coronavirus came around it sounded it appears that um as the ncaa kept pushing back the dead period um it kind of moved their um decision up and a large part of that was and a large part of him going to see was like he had already taken his official visits or official visit there and um, he had been on campus. He had built that great relationship with the staff, and he was just ready to make that move so they can move forward um, with who else they wanted to go after. What other schools are really involved right now, along with Ole Miss for Brandon? Um, I would say the other ones really involved right now. Auburn is heavily involved. Like I said, they've been in it from the beginning with him. Um, when it came down to his top 11, um, he had – Auburn, Baylor, Georgetown, Georgia, Howard, Kansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. Um, the other ones that are that I think are heavily involved right now outside of Auburn and Ole Miss would be Wake Forest. Um, I know Kansas has been getting a little bit more involved recently. Um, Tennessee, obviously, that's another hometown. Not hometown, essentially, but uh, it is a, it's a close-to-home in-state program for him, and I would say those those five or six are, are very heavily involved, and there is um, and he did announce yesterday that he will be cutting his list to six, and he actually just um, news just broke again that he's actually making a list of seven. So um, he's going to be dwindling it down again this week. But I would say those programs, those handful of programs, um, are heavily involved right now. When do we know or expect a decision to come? Um. I don't really know the answer to that. That one's, uh, especially right now, given um, like how the times we're in right now, you're seeing a lot of kids' um, decisions sped up. You're seeing some kids' decisions delayed. I think that's a little too hard to gauge at this point. Um, but with him moving forward, you are definitely getting closer to that. Um, however, if that's in a month, if that's in three months, that that is largely, largely to be determined. Um, uh, he, I know when I spoke to him, he, he did say that he was looking to take visits to as many schools as he possibly could, but that's up in the air right now, so there's no telling. See, and that's the question, too, in regards to reclassifying. When do you have to have that schedule or that decision made? Because a lot of these kids, they don't have to make the decision until right up until it's time to enroll, right, like in August. Um, I think that's really going to be determined on the school he goes to. Um, so some kids are having to jump on, make their decisions quickly because Spots are being filled up. Kids are kids are wanting to. Some kids are moving quickly, so um, more spots are being filled. So it's just all determined on the program that the kid is largely wanting to commit to. So um, if there's an opportunity where he wants to stick this out um, and say a program like Ole Miss has a spot still available in, in late spring and all that, like I think he, there's a chance he could wait that long and then make his reclassific, reclassification decision. Um, but yeah, it's just all relative to the program and, and what and what the what's going on behind the scenes and what they're hearing on other prospects and all that stuff. All those things play a role into when these kids are making their decisions. And so I wouldn't say there's a set timeline and a set day where he, he needs to have this decision made up. It's just all dependent upon what's going on behind the scenes. All right, it's dangerous to do this, but entertain me here. All right. Deshaun Ruffin, <laughs> Matthew Morrell, and then potentially Brandon Huntley Hatfield. What is Ole Miss doing, in your opinion? What is your evaluation of Ole Miss as far as recruiting under Kermit Davis? It's a different world right now for Ole Miss. I mean, obviously, Brandon Holly Hatfield would be – I mean, Matthew Morrell, he was the first – or he was the highest um, prospect, if I'm not wrong, to ever commit to Ole Miss and, and sign with them. Um, so, obviously, if Brandon were to do the same, um, that that is by far the biggest recruit they've ever taken. And, I mean – you're right. It's a completely different program with what Kermit Davis is doing. If, if they can make that happen, they're already making waves with uh, Ruffin and Morrell. They're, if they were to get all three on campus, I mean, you're looking at a really talented team. Um, you're going to have to um, figure what you're going to, you're going to be able to get creative and find creative ways to utilize these guys because Ruffin can really get buckets. Um, you can use Huntley Hatfield in a variety of ways in the pick and pop face up. Um, he can run the floor in transition. He can bring the ball up. There's a lot of things that he can do, and especially when you pair him with a guy like Ruffin, there, you can do a lot of things with those two guys. And then you got Morrell, who's a big-time defender, 
really good athlete slashing guard. Um, you can make shots too. Like those three together are a very talented core that you can really build around and really make something make something happen down in uh, down at Ole Miss. I tell you, it's football time. I get it, but it's hard not to get a little excited about basketball. I don't know if we're going to start the season on time, man. But when you start to have a little bit of crystal ball rolling in and all that kind of stuff, and it starts to get a little fired up for basketball right now. Oh, absolutely, man! You get. For me, obviously, for me, being in my position, you're always excited about basketball. You know, um, this this stuff is um, all day, every day. But yeah, you're right. I mean, when stuff like this, especially at a football school, um, get, hearing stuff like this is definitely going to create some stir um, and bring some new excitement around the program. That's really refreshing and and just fun to have around the campus. We're going to get basketball, right? That's going to happen. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I'm praying so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I will do with myself if we do not have basketball this season. I I, I was uh, in a bit of a funk once they canceled the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, and all the other conference tournaments. I was actually down at the SEC tournament. Me too. Um, when that went, that was just a that was such a surreal moment, and that is always my favorite time of the year. That's when you really get to sit back um, and really enjoy um, college basketball at its best. Um, and, and so if we don't have another season to kind of uh, make up for what we lost last year, that I'll be very, very disappointed. At Travis Brandom underscore on Twitter, 247 Sports Basketball Analyst, you're the man. Thanks for coming on and doing this, buddy. We'll do it again. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Enjoyed it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.